You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Hello, this is Ruv English. I'm Darren Adam. Thanks very much as ever for your company. And Ruv English is on the road. I am delighted to say that somebody that I've only ever spoken to over Zoom in a kind of fake lockdown fashion is actually sitting in the same room as me. And it's Lydia Asanathopoulou, who is the music journalist in Siglifjörður, with whom we convene every Friday to look at another particular genre of Icelandic music. Lydia, great to meet you. Indeed, nice to meet you too. Nice to be in the same room. And thank you for coming to Siglifjörður. And what a room it is. Now, we will in a future episode discuss this in more detail. But briefly, where are we? So today we are at the Bjarni Thornstensen Folk Music Centre in Siglifjörður. Uh, which is dedicated to the life work of Bjarni Thornstensen, who collected traditional folk songs from around Iceland. And it also includes uh, video projections of uh, traditional rimur singing and tvisungur, which we discussed also on a previous episode. Indeed. So that has been uh, referred to. And it's great to put a face to the name, but there's a bust over there to put a bust to the name that we have been discussing. This week, we go electric. We look at and listen to the electric years, the 60s and the 70s. And by that, I guess we mean the electric guitar. Yes, we do, of course. Uh, So in one of the previous episodes, we looked a little bit at uh, pop music from Iceland during the 50s mainly, and perhaps the early 60s. And so today we're progressing towards when things become electric. This is, of course, a movement that happened worldwide. Uh, with uh, rock and roll progressing into um, psychedelic music, uh, garage music, uh, of course the hippie movement. Um, and so we, we also look at this here in Iceland. But it'd be interesting at some point to sort of examine, you know, the availability or otherwise of musical instruments in Iceland. Not so much these days when pretty much anything can be imported if you want it to be imported. But in the 40s or the 50s or the 60s, I imagine getting hold of any particular musical instrument would just be more difficult than it would be if you lived in New York or London. I absolutely agree. And uh, it's interesting you mention that because... Um, so in Iceland, two of the traditional instruments are the fiddler and the langspil, which you can see on the table next to us. Um, and uh, they're made out of wood. And uh, one of the reasons why they did proliferate quite a bit here in Iceland is because they were small and easy to make compared to, say, a piano. And they were also cheaper to make compared to, say, a violin. Um, and then later on in the uh, 40s and 50s, uh, and that later on in the 60s, we noticed that the accordion uh, also becomes quite popular and we'll be dedicating a show to that yes. later on. And that one of the reasons was because pianos uh, especially were mainly for the upper classes and they were played in the privacy of people's homes, whereas the accordion could be strapped onto one's back and taken mm. off to the dance. What about the electric guitar then, I wonder? <laughs> Which is our episode today. Uh, well, I think, so the movement of rock music around the world does kind of happen at the same time. Yes. This is due to, of course, uh, you know, the po- popular radio, availability of vinyl records. And a bit like the crooners that we talked about. Yes, exactly. There was a very Icelandic take, I suppose, on that movement which was happening everywhere. Exactly, yes. Yeah. And and uh, we also talked about Svavar Guests in a previous uh, episode, and he also, with the formation of his record label, he also helped and supported a lot of bands and had a lot of knowledge from the US where he had been studying. Um, so he also uh, supported the scene with music, like vinyl records and, ra- and his radio show. Um, but then also the bands they they did, the bands that were around in this sort of '60s psychedelic garage indie, um, sorry hippie era, um, they did gain a little bit of traction abroad. 
uh, and some of them traveled to the UK and Europe and even to the US. So there was a, a connection with abroad and I think that probably helped, uh, helped them develop their studios, their instruments, their, their network. Well, we're starting with a band who, judging by their name, are right at the very centre of the idea of taking an Icelandic take on this. It's Thor's Hammer. Indeed. Thor's Hammer, also called Hljómar uh, here in Iceland, which means chords. Um, so at that time, uh, in Iceland, like elsewhere, you know, music was kind of separated into soft pop, easily accessible uh, pop, and then the more progressive style of rock that was developing. And uh, Thor's Hammer were... Uh, you know, at the forefront of that in Iceland. Uh, they started becoming active in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them were also in another prog band called uh, Trubrot. Um, and they, among record collectors abroad now, they are probably one of the most well-known uh, bands, uh, if anything, because some of their releases were on Parlophone, uh, based in England, and they also sung in English. They uh, recorded at some point in England as well. It's interesting you mentioned Parlophone, because... If you go to Kolaportith, for example, which we've mentioned a couple of times, is a great source of used vinyl. It's really, and I've mentioned this, I think, on a previous show. It still blows my mind that some of, on the face of it, the most niche musical releases that you could imagine, an album of uh, speeches made at Althingi in Thingvelli, went out on the Parlophone record label. Right. So as far as I know, there wasn't a pressing plant here in Iceland at that mm. time. Uh, I could be wrong. Uh, but because um, some of the labels that uh, were based here, they were uh, cooperating with other labels in Europe and in the UK, uh, so they did manage to send some of the artists mm. abroad to record. And if someone was to, by chance, at one of these flea markets, come across the 1966 EP Umba uh, then they should definitely pick that up because that's extremely rare now and it goes for thousands of euros on Discogs. <laughs> I was going to say, if you, if you find it, just leave it where it is because it's only worth five kroner. <laughs> yeah, and, and let me know about <laughs> it. I'll, I'll come release you from it. <laughs> so back to the very uh, Nordically named, Icelandically named Thor's Hammer. Yeah, so they were often dubbed the Beatles or the Who of Iceland. They were very uh, popular. They were the, the best representatives of the British invasion at that time, which was really taking the, the whole world by storm, Beatlemania and the rest of it. And uh, just to illustrate, their first single, uh, Firsti Kossin, First Kiss, uh, is a sort of fast-rocking track that was inspired by She Loves You by the Beatles. Um, the flip side to that is Blau Oyhun Thin, Your Blue Eyes, and it's a, a ballad. And that single alone sold 4,000 copies, which is uh, quite a feat for such a small country. Yes. And so... Uh, the Hljomar boys uh, were raised around uh, Keplavik, and at that time that was uh, the US Navy base. And uh, sometimes you could pick up signals from the Navy mm. radio, and uh, so they often heard rock and roll from the US. And it's worth, again, just saying at that time, when people in, in Keplavik and maybe Njadvik as well, if they had a particularly sensitive radio, they could hear these broadcasts that were intended just for those serving on the American base. And I think I'm right in saying that, that subsequently the uh, the transmitter power was turned up, so people in Reykjavik and Hapnafjörður were able to hear those those bits of those pieces of music as well. And that's important because it was the only alternative then, wasn't it, to the state broadcaster roof? As far as I know, yeah. And I'm glad they did turn it up because uh, it did end up influencing, um, you know, early rock music, which then influenced the psychedelic music, which then influenced, you know, the punk and new wave movement, uh, which then, you know, brought the world Bjork. 
Um, and, uh, you know, aforementioned Svavar Guests, he also made a point of uh, making the band sing in Icelandic uh, because they did have some songs in English and especially uh, they sort of switched their name from Hljomar in the beginning to Thor's Hammer so that they could appeal to a wider audience. But, uh, you know, he is credited with helping preserve the Icelandic language within the uh, rock and roll movement. And, you know, I think that's also quite important because that helped Iceland the Icelandic scene have a sense of identity that, and not just being a copycat of uh, the Beatles, for example. They then moved to a bigger label, didn't they? They moved to Columbia Records. Uh, yeah, so they were on Falki originally uh, and EMI was heading Falki in yeah. Europe and then, yeah, they do move to Columbia Records. Recently, in 2014, Ugly Pop Records from Toronto did a really excellent uh, reissue okay. uh, called If You Knew, Icelandic Punk and Beat, 1965 to 1967, and it contains all the material from this now legendary Icelandic band. Who we're now going to hear. Thorshammer, uh, the song we heard was... Called Memory. Memory, okay. Let's move to Dautar. Okay, Dautar. So while Hjomar were abroad uh, promoting their own sound, you know, there was a void created here in Iceland about who's going to be, you know, the next rock, the big rock thing. And uh, Dautar, which means soldiers, uh, they came to be the ruling beat band and they were covering hits by the Kinks and the Who, but they were also writing their own tracks. Uh, their first record was an EP from 1966 with three original songs and a cover. 
Um, and then some lineup changes uh, happened. Um, at some point, their second EP from 1967 was written by their singer, who was only 18 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they toured extensively around the country. They were very popular in the sort of dance ball scene that we've also talked about in many of the episodes. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, um, in 1967, the guitarist, the guitarist Magnus committed suicide. And a few years later, in 1972, the singer Runar also took his own life after struggling with mental health and addiction problems. And he was only 24 at the time. And then the original guitarist Hilmar, uh, he um, clocked off in 1978. Mm. And then Carl died in a car accident in 1991. Oh my God. And so... The drummer, Stefan, died of cancer one year later. And so this only left the bassist, Jon Petr, being the only surviving band of Dautar, which is truly Iceland's most tragic band. But their music is really, really excellent. Well, let's focus on that. Let's hear a song from Dautar. Doubter, and we heard the tragic story of all but one of their members. And hopefully by playing that piece of music, which was called... Quentur au Eirini. Hopefully that shows that the tragedy doesn't fully outweigh the music that they made. We are in the electric years of the 60s and the 70s. And Trubrot are next. Yeah, so Trubrot, which means a breach of faith. Um, so... Hljómar had been the leaders so far of the 60s beat boom, and some of the core players went to be leaders of the hippie rock movement. Uh, the composer-guitarist Gunnar and singer-bassist Runar, for example. And so from the ashes of Thor's Hammer, uh, with those two arose Trubrot. 
Um, and the band wanted to do a concept album, mm. but they were a bit unsure, so they played mainly uh, covers of popular songs for drunk people. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, that's usually a safer bet than yes, your own material. Yes. Um, but they were um, art rockers as well, in a way, so they, they, they were artfully inspired. So they each took a bucket of paint, in one story that I read, uh, each with the colour of their own choice, and they decorated the garage studio where they were rehearsing. And... Um, so the album that they wanted to record, uh, in their words, they wanted it to deal with the course of an unnamed person from the cradle to the grave and the influence of the environment on that person. Um, so the subsequent album called Leafum from 1971 was recorded in London and uh, it was a great success and continued to be for many years. And even the song titles are suggestive of themes that preoccupied sort of the hippie youth at that time. So, you know, it's rather existential. It discusses the future, young love, identity, anti-authoritarianism. Uh, you know, the, the titles also, one of them is called Am I Really Living? Is There Hope for Tomorrow? School Complex, Tangerine Girl. School Complex. <laughs> yeah, so you can also... That's a spit on the nose, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you can also tell probably that they were, you know, still young yes. and, and very much, you know, full of teen angst, uh, if not meta-teen angst. And, uh, you know, as true hippies, uh, they did smoke cannabis, apparently. Um, and so some people did disapprove of that. Um, and the original lineup's last gig was at the famous Reykjavik club Glumbayer uh, in June 1970. Um, and the fact that some of the members of Led Zeppelin were present at that show, uh, perhaps, you know, also explains why then later they, they perhaps gained more popularity yes. as Led Zeppelin were evidently quite impressed. Um, and they did hope that they would sign to Fantasy Records, which is home to um, Creedence Clearwater Revival, but sadly that never happened. And after their fourth album, Mandala, Mandala, in 1972, uh, the band gradually fizzled out by 1973. Thorshammer and the bands uh, around that time, there was a connection with the UK and, and the US. So they, and like we mentioned earlier, they did end up getting some pressings on, you know, Columbia Records and, and larger other labels from Europe. Um, so th there, wa they, there was some popularity. Mm -hmm. And as we see a little later on, you know, Led Zeppelin playing here and, and seeing them live, we later on see that other bands start coming to Iceland. And so local bands in Iceland support mm -hmm. these bands uh, at the live shows, in, usually in Reykjavik. Mm -hmm. um, and so then this creates a conversation and we see that, you know, this then continues up until today. Well, let's continue with that story after hearing from Trubrot.
Just Another Face by Trubrot. Where are we going next? So next we're going to Thriu Aupaukli, Three on the Podium. Perhaps not one of the most well-known bands uh, abroad or, or uh, in Iceland, but uh, they're a bit like sort of Peter, Paul and Mary of Iceland. They're more on the folk side, more on the hippie side, um, and they have many records under their belt. And um, a compilation record called Lifiv Er Lotteri from 2002 collects 24 of their songs, and it really is a wonderful listen. Uh, you know, they might not be so well known, but I have listened to it many times, and mm. I think they're very um, artful in what they do. And it sort of does have stylings of that era, so sort of folk merged with garage and hippie culture. And uh, the recordings kind of have a live feel to them. And, you know, there's flutes and horns and group vocals. So it's, it's very uh, classic of that time. We've just heard Thriu Apautli and a song called 
By this stage, are these bands learning their craft, do you think? I mean, I suppose all bands around the world are inventing rock and roll as they go to a certain extent. Is, is that happening here as well? I think it is, and we notice also that uh, bands like uh, Thor's Hammer, for example, yes. you know, they start out a little more soft, but then you know, they discover the fuzz pedal and uh, you know, they, they experiment with different amps. And so you know, everyone around the world, including Iceland, is you know, electrified by this new electric sound. Literally electrified. Uh, the band Nautura are next as we continue this journey through the electric 60s and 70s. Yeah, so Nautura only had one album called Magic Key uh, from 1972. And um, on this, Shady Owens is doing uh, vocals. And uh, she was also at some point in Hljomar and uh, Trubrot. Um, and I, I believe she had some connection with the US. And, you know, if you're a fan of Jefferson Airplane or CCR mm. or Jethro Tull, Led Zeppelin, all that good stuff, you really will enjoy this album. Um, it's, it has perfect flow from start to finish. And um, Dr. Kuni, who, if you don't know about, you really should discover, um, he, he's probably, um, I would say, the, 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 the documenting godfather of Iceland because he, uh, he has written a lot about Icelandic music from all genres uh, and his uh, book, Blue-Eyed uh, Pop, uh, you know, is, is truly full of amazing information and stories. And uh, in, in his 2000 book, Eru Eki Atleri Studi, Rock in Iceland, he mentions... As the hair grew longer and the smoke thicker, the music stretched in length and depth. Drunk kids were not always so receptive to a 20-minute drum solo, though. <laughs> and so, you know, we can see that, um, for example, Nautura are definitely moving more into psychedelic territory. And um, we see that they, in 1971, they performed the Icelandic staging of the musical Hair, uh, you know, which had taken everyone by storm with the amazing hit song Let the Sunshine In. Mm. Um, and sadly, for Nautura, all their instruments were destroyed in a fire when the legendary club uh, Glumbayer that we mentioned earlier mm. actually mm. burned down in December 1971. Um, and it was situated where the National Gallery of Iceland is today. Um, and it was definitely the place for the young crowd in the 60s and 70s to collect and listen to music and, and uh, go to shows. In uh, 73, they did perform also the rock opera musical Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, also, you know, a, a very high point uh, for the hippie movement around the world. And then, you know, the hippie movement slowly moved into new wave and punk. So here is Nautura. Out of the darkness comes a light That brightens our steps There's something here that fear can paint in shades of death You must be sure what you have done And what you ought to do But someone spoke it's all a joke Believing that's the truth
take your time and try to find what there doesn't show. If you do, then you will know the things you ought to know. Out of the Darkness by Nautura and an amazing vocal performance on that. Yes, she truly does have such a good voice. And like I mentioned earlier, if you like Jefferson Airplane yeah. and that kind of thing, you're going to really like them. I, obviously, when Dylan went electric, I say obviously I wasn't around and you weren't around either, but we've read the books. When Bob Dylan got his electric guitar out, he was famously booed by some people for selling out, for going electric and going back on what they believed his roots to be. There wasn't a tradition to turn your back on, I suppose, in Iceland when the electric guitar appeared. There wasn't a Dylan and there wasn't a Dylan to rail against that I can see. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, um, I think Dylan had, you know, a huge, huge impact all over the world and we're still seeing that. Um, But like you said, here in Iceland, perhaps uh, what uh, this new generation would have turned their back on would have been perhaps the crooners or traditional music. Um, and, you know, he did, Bob Dylan did inspire um, artists here, probably most notably uh, Megas, uh, also known as Magnus Thor Jonsson, um, who I think anyone who has even heard one Bob Dylan song, if they listen to a Megas song, they'll recognize the, the inspiration and the influence. And again, Megas, a name that is familiar to at least some people outside of Iceland. On the, the fringes, you might say, of that group of artists that have had success outside of the country and we're going to hear a song from Megas. Hann hvarfur það sást þeim er það 
Jonas Oliver Johansson Frau Hriplu from Megas. Megas, yes, who, uh, like we mentioned earlier, huge Bob Dylan fan, Ray Davies fan, Elvis fan. Um, he first started recording in Norway in the sort of early 70s, and he was also, he would write a lot, he took lots of notes, he was drawing, he was, yeah. you know, very artistic in many, in many different ways. And... Uh, in a similar in a similar style to Bob Dylan, you know, he gave a lot of importance to his notes, to his lyrics, um, which were, you know, quite caustic of of you know Icelandic society taboos. And they, you know, if you ask any local Icelander about Megas, you know, you might get, uh, you know, different opinions on on his work. Um, he was considered a provocateur uh, and a very important role in Icelandic uh, rock music. His album from 1977. Aublekum Nautkjolum is still uh, considered to be one of the best uh, Icelandic albums ever made, according to some. And uh, later on in the sort of 80s, he joined Kukl, and they became sort of Kukl Megas, Mega Kukl. Um, and that was a project where they recorded about uh, 20 songs mm. uh, together. And he's still considered sort of the father of Icelandic rock. Um, and so much so that at some point he um, played, he also played another band called Icarus, which we'll mention later on. Um, but even The Fall, who did visit Iceland uh, to play a show back in the 80s, um, you know, they were so impressed by him um, that they even wrote a song, uh, you know, called Iceland, uh, which was inspired by Megas. Yeah. And The Fall, a band that makes sense in my mind in terms of them coming to Iceland in the 80s. You, know, you can see, and Psychic TV, I suppose, are in the same kind of category. There's a certain sort of artist, quite nihilist artists, I think, in the 80s, who would have found Iceland at that time quite attractive. I wonder what 
the late Mark Smith would have made of downtown Reykjavik in 2023. <laughs> well, um, so there is a there is a story in uh, Melody Maker magazine um, that mentions that. Um, so this is the fall in Iceland at the mm. mo- at the moment, and it's called the decline and fall in Iceland. It was published in 1981, and it says our hosts play us tape of a man with a cracked voice and a Dylanish air and describe him as the father of Icelandic rock and roll. And they tell us the story of Megas, who ridiculed the sacred sagas and wrote uh, scathing surreal lyrics, got heavily into booze and drugs. Um, and the following day, Megas uh, actually turns up at the fall concert at Oysterbayer uh, Bio and, and they shake hands. And then when Mark E. Smith returns to England, he's clutching a parcel of Megas records under his arm. <laughs> he was won over. I actually interviewed Mark E. Smith a very long time ago. He was really nice. He was... I don't know what I was expecting. I was expecting someone to be, you know, contrary or, or unpredictable. And maybe I just caught him on a good day, or maybe he was just a nice person. A lot has been said about uh, Marky e. Smith, <laughs> but I have to say I am a huge Fall fan, um, and I think so. The Fall being one of the first bands to come to Iceland, yes. you definitely, I feel, you definitely hear. Uh, that influence on the on Icelandic music after that, because it, you know you hear a lot of influences from the Fall, Susie and the Banshees, even the Cure, but yeah. you you don't hear influence influences from other popular bands at that time. But you do hear the Fall and uh, you know Killing Joke. One of the members of Killing Joke yeah, also yeah. had a back and forth with Iceland, um, so I think they definitely helped influence uh, Icelandic punk and new wave after that. Well, we've been through the sixties and the seventies and the electric guitar, the eighties next next week and what we describe as new wave and i'm looking forward to this because so much of what we think of now as new wave and we think of the the new pop of the 1980s so much of it was british i mean the second british invasion and all the rest of it so the icelandic spin on that i suppose is going to be fascinating for now lydia thank you very much my pleasure. We'll talk to you again next week. Lydia Asanathopoulou is the music journalist to whom we speak every Friday here in Siglifjörde, which is where I am today for Ruve English. My name's Darren Adam. Get in touch anytime. We are English at ruv.is. You're listening to the Ruve English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.